Hey, good morning, church. Uh, so great for you to join us wherever you're joining us from. I know we've got our Revelstoke location gathering this morning. We have our Kelowna location gathering this morning. And of course, all the rest of you gathering from wherever you are gathering from. My name is Pastor Josiah, and uh, my wife and I, we get the privilege of being the Vernon location pastors. Wasn't that just some great worship that we just were a part of this morning? Uh, it's so great to be a part of uh, a, a a group of people who enter the presence of God through worship. I want to give you a few announcements, specifically talking to that last video we just watched from Pastors Phil and Chris Pringle, our C3 Church Global Pastors, about the Global Conference coming up this week. That's right, it's, it's not yesterday, it's not weeks away, it's this week. So to give you a little information, if you are in our time zone, the PST time zone, which means you just got an extra hour of sleep, the global conference sessions that you can be a part of, they start at 1 p.m. on Wednesday, and they, there's a 1 p.m., a 3.30 p.m., and a 7 p.m., and of course there's two more sessions, but you'll have to stay up later if you want to be a part of that. The, the next one, I believe, is at 9.30, and the, and the final one's at 1 a.m. So, you know, you're, you're in for a marathon. But if you would like to be a part of that, starting at 1 p.m., 3.30 p.m., and 7 p.m. this Wednesday... Uh, you can register at c3churchglobal.com and then they will send you emails and content just to make sure that you are there on time. But I think this would be a great thing to be a part of. So because we have the C3 Church Global Conference this Wednesday, we generally have the first Wednesday of the month, we have a all-church prayer meeting, which we've been hosting on Zoom. But because of the Global Conference, we will not be having it this month. So please take that time out of your calendar and fill it with the Global Conference. You're really going to be... Um, uh, you're really going to be touched, I don't know, excited, enjoy. You're going to love it. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. A couple other announcements, and I'm just getting through these quickly so that I can turn over in our Kelowna location to our lead pastor, Pastor Dave Olson, who's going to be preaching live there. Last week, he had the privilege and, uh, of being in our Revelstoke location, and this week, he'll be in our Kelowna location. So here's a couple final announcements before I, I send the service or turn the service over to Pastor Dave from a distance. Um, the next one uh, note that I want to let you know of is next week is a very special Sunday. Do whatever you can to be a part of it, whether that's in person or online. Is Next Sunday, we are going to be taking time to celebrate. Uh, I know I told you the last time I was preaching that this is the 30th year that Pastor Dave and Kim have been the lead pastors and leading this church, which is pretty amazing. I, I tell you, you will have a hard time finding pastors who've stuck with it that long in a location. And we are just so proud and so encouraged by that. So next week, we're going to be taking a little special time to celebrate them. Uh, so do whatever you can to be there and be a part of our celebration of their 30 years of ministry and leadership for Pastors Dave and Kim. And then the last uh, note I would just want to make sure that everyone's aware of is we are just a very short short distance time away from being able to regather in our Vernon location. So if you're a part of our Vernon location, we will be able to regather as of November 15th. So that's two Sundays away. Um, we have been... Uh, uh, We've been working hard in the back, in, in the scene, in the back scenes, the, the scenes in the back, those scenes. We've been, I don't even know the word. We've been working hard to regather, but that's going to take place in two weeks. More details will come, but just put that in your calendar. Prepare to, you know, get out of your pajamas if you can and be there with us, and we'd love that. Other than that, I'm going to turn the service at the Grand Ten over to Pastor Dave as he preaches. So why don't you stand, why don't you applaud him as he comes, and then... Revelstoke location, you are stuck with me this morning. I'm just, yeah, I'm just imagining that you are clapping and online you're with me this morning. And I'm, I'm really excited to share a message that I shared at the Grand Ten a couple weeks ago. So buckle up, get ready, uh, and we're going to get into it. 
So firstly, uh, what I want to do is I want to read the scripture to you this morning. So you can pull out your Bibles. I believe it's going to be on the the digital Bible, uh, which happens by, I don't know, it happens. Um, But you're going to find this in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. And I'm going to read it in the New King James Version uh, from my Bible. So hopefully they match. Um, If I actually got to the right page, great. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Why don't you join me as we say these last couple verses? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. While you bow your heads, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather near and far in digital forms or in flesh forms. We thank you that we can gather under heaven and under your name. God, we, we are so encouraged by this opportunity to hear from you. And God, I pray that you would, you would give me a touch of your spirit to communicate your desires in your heart this morning. Let's be hearers of the word and doers of the word. In Jesus' heavenly name we pray. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but these last seven months have been unique. Um, I, I would say that, uh, I don't know if this is my coined term, I'm pretty sure it isn't, but I would say I've probably had some COVID crises during these last seven months. Um, we know that because I am stereotypical a person who avoids the outdoors. And during this COVID crisis, I have started a garden. I have also built a tree house. Uh, I did buy a travel trailer um, and many other things, I'm sure, that are a part of my COVID crisis. Now, my wife would tell you, if she was here, that it might be something to do with me, you know, turning the clock and turning 30, sort of like Ethan Brackenberry did this week. But I think it may have been a combination of things. But here's what I found has happened for a lot of people in this season, is they have, uh, in this season, found themselves asking a lot of questions. They've been asking themselves, do I like where I live? Maybe you lived in the city, and I know there's a lot of people who've left the city to move to more rural centers. Maybe you think, do I like my job? I know a lot of people who have questioned whether they really feel like the job that they're a part of is really what they want to be a part of. Whether that because, be because of having to work from home or because of all the travel they used to do or whatever it is. You know, you're asking those questions. And I think I've found myself asking a number of questions. And I want to give you my title of my message here um, if you're taking notes. Uh, and here it is. You can find it in your YouTube channel link as well, I'm sure. My title for my message is this. What's in a gathering? It's a question. What's in a gathering? I, I, I said, 
I have found myself asking questions, and I think you've probably found yourself asking questions. And now as a, a church, as we have had the opportunity to regather for a few months in our Revelstoke location, for just about two months in our Kelowna location, and, and very soon in our Vernon location, I find myself stuck on this question of asking myself, what is in a gathering? Now we turn to this verse in Hebrews, and I'm going to ask you to make a basic assumption this morning. If you can journey with me with this basic assumption from the start of my message until we get to the end of my message. So here's the, the basic assumption I'm going to ask you to assume, is that what the Bible says is right and helpful for us. So that's the first assumption. What the Bible says is right and helpful for us. So I'm asking this question, what's in a gathering? Because what the Bible tells me, and going back to this verse, it says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now the Bible says we should gather together. And how many of you know, gathering together has not been easy lately. Not been easy because of regulations, Maybe not been easy because of my own comfort level of how people operate in those environments. Maybe it's been very easy. Maybe you feel like it's been a long uh, time away. Or maybe you don't even like the fact that right now in Revelstoke, you see me on a screen. Maybe you love it. Maybe, maybe there's less spitting room for my, my, my speaking. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But, you know, we, we've come into this situation where we are forced into a circumstance that we didn't ask for. And I find myself then asking, what is in a gathering? The Bible says, do not neglect the gathering. So what is a gathering? Is it just simply people in a room together? Or is it more? Or is it less? Can a gathering exist via a digital format like this? Or must it only exist when people are together in the same room? I actually think that this season has taught me that we as a church globally, not us specifically necessarily, but as a church globally have maybe missed out on what we were called to create in a gathering. Because something tells me that the gathering is not just about people in a room together. Something tells me that it's not just how many bums are in a seat? Something tells me it's something different than that. So why don't we dig a little deeper for a moment? And let us consider, we're all going back to the same scripture, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I find myself in this situation lately where I am a part of a gathering, a church gathering, <clears throat> and worship comes to me from a screen. Those screen people are sitting right there, but it comes to me from a screen. Preaching comes to me from a screen. And I feel like it's not what I want. I feel like I'd rather something different. And when I recognize the concept of the gathering and I'm reading through the, the, the Bible telling me to not neglect the gathering, 
I find something very peculiar in here is it says nothing about what I get from the gathering. It says nothing about what I can consume from the gathering. But it says everything about what I bring to the gathering. And let us not consider, and let us, sorry, not not, and let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Isn't it interesting that there's nothing in this scripture that talks about the gathering together that talks about what I'm going to get out of it? Here, let me give you what I feel like would be a hard uh, pill to swallow. The church gathering is not about what I get from it or what you get from it, but it's actually about what you bring to the table. If you are a person who's always come to a church gathering attempting or anticipating to consume from it, let me tell you, you've left disheartened and dissatisfied. Because we were never built or designed in a, in a format or in a manner for us to come to consume, but we were meant to build in a form to come and provide and to be a provision for others. Isn't it interesting that when I'm in a bad mood, there's nothing I want to do to encourage someone else. But isn't it also interesting that when I encourage someone else, it makes it much harder for me to be in a bad mood. When I stir up good works in others, when I stir up love in others, when I exhort, which means encourage others. So what's in a gathering? Is it just bums in seats gathered together? Is it a crowd? Because Jesus had a lot of those. In fact, in, in uh, I believe it's Luke. I lost the page because I dropped my Bible. But in Luke... Jesus is, is, there's this story about Jesus. He's got this gathering of people, this group, this crowd of people. It's right after this story about him feeding 5,000. So let's assume about that many people. And he starts to portray to them what it means to have a relationship with him. He starts to demonstrate to them what life with Jesus actually looks like. At that point, they really had understood that Jesus' life means bread, and fish provided for me, teaching provided for me, and then he says, no, 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 if you want my life, if you want to live with me, it will look like this. It goes on and it says that many disciples left him. Jesus wasn't about drawing the crowds, but he was about the gathering. Isn't it interesting how we know about Jesus and we know about his 12 disciples. If you've studied uh, or you've been in church or in Christendom for a while, you've maybe studied about his 12 disciples, about his close through, his close three that were his closest friends. Then you've got the 72, then you've got the thousands. You've got these, these outer circles of people who gathered around Jesus. But those who were transformed the most were the ones that were closest to Jesus. Maybe a gathering isn't about having people in the room, but it's about knowing people in the room. Maybe a gathering isn't about them knowing me, but me knowing them. And isn't a gathering maybe more about the things that we can accomplish when we know each other? We live in a world and a society that works really hard to be known, yet not known. I can look at any of your Instagram or Facebook feeds and know you yet not at all know you. Because it's so easy to portray a life 
rather than transform a life. I want to take you to another scripture, okay? Scripture, Bible verse. It's found in Proverbs 27, 17. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. I love this verse. It's, it's short, so I can remember it. <laughs> that helps. It's 27, 17, so it's easier to remember where it's found. But it says this. As iron sharpens iron, <clears throat> so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, I'll be honest. The reason I love this verse and have for many years is because what I know is that I am a sharp person that is going to make you sharper. I know that as I get around you, you will become a better person. I'm assuming you're all laughing, but if you're not, I hope you're laughing with me. I guess sarcasm doesn't travel the interweb quite the same. But here's what I realized about this verse as I was studying it. It talks about iron sharpening iron. So I remember years ago coming, uh, coming to this revelation that what that meant is iron as it sharpens iron, it means things fall off of it. I know when I shared this message the other day, someone called them shavings. Or, yeah, shavings. You know, as you're sharpening iron, that means pieces of the iron that previously exist no longer exist. Because as you get sharper, things about you, things in your world need to get stripped away. Need to get broken. Need to get removed. Need to get revealed that we're underneath. And iron sharpens iron. So I remember getting this revelation a few years ago about, right, that actually means like sharpening isn't just about getting better of who I am. It's about removing things that are restricting me from who I am. And then when I was, was studying this verse just a few weeks ago in preparation of this message, I realized something that was very disheartening to me. It was this, that sharp things are unable to sharpen other things. Have you ever had, uh, you know, I, I remember getting it as a, a wedding present and, and it was a knife block, right? And in your knife block, you've got like two knives you use and then seven you have no idea what they're for. And then you've got this sharpener that is in there, but no one knows how to use it unless you do. Um, but the sharpener looks nothing like a knife. I don't need to keep the sharpener away from my children because I'm not worried about what they'll do with it. But it is the very thing that sharpens every other utensil in there. And what I've learned is that it's actually when I think I'm sharp or exist in the land of, land of pride, I lose my ability to be potent for anyone else. That actually, the only thing that qualifies you, ready? The only thing that qualifies you to sharpen another person is the fact that you're all dull. I mean that lovingly and kind. I'm dull. It's my dullness that enables me to be a part of someone else's transformation. But here's the other thing on this verse, okay? So we've walked through. There's things getting stripped off of me. How pleasant this is, oh Lord. Those things are getting stripped off of me as I get sharpened. Iron, sharpening iron. I now realize that it's not a mentor-mentee relationship. It's not this, this uh, elite versus the less elite that is improving the less elite. It's actually that I am dull also and I am helping other people who are dull. But that's then again the fresh revelation that comes out of it is it's not a one-sided equation. It's actually that as 
I get sharper, so does the other person get sharper. But it's not because I sharpen them, it's because we sharpen each other. What's in a gathering? A gathering's not just about crowds together. A gathering's not just about seats being filled. A gathering's not whether it's digital or not digital. I actually probably wonder if there's the ability to fulfill what we've been asked, the gathering together, in a digital format, just as much as there is in a face-to-face format. Just like I think there's probably the ability to not fulfill it in a face-to-face, just as we could not fulfill it in a digital format. But here's the reality of what a gathering is. A gathering is an environment where you are known and where you know others. Now, it'd be easy to say where you know their name. You know, I can look out here, I see Mitchell. I see Uli. I see Robbie's bald head. I see Scott. I see Johanna. I see Stevie Rose. And I can say, I know their names. But actually, sharpening doesn't happen from knowing their names. It's about knowing the things that are inside of them. And by working together abrasively at times to get to the core of what God wants from you. So many of us have yet to accomplish the things that God wants for us because we've yet to be in a close enough relationship to reveal who we are. I I think something that's happened in the last seven months for a lot of people, whether it be in marriages, close relationships, church life, work relationships, I think some people have been revealed. (laughs) Not that they want it to be. You know, they've, they've been revealed and they realize that maybe I'm not the most pleasant person to be locked in a house with 24-7. Maybe I don't actually clean up after myself as much as I believe. I just leave the house and I come back and, you know, how do those socks make it in the drawer? I don't know. It's the disappearing coffee table, right? Like, how does that all happen? But actually, the freedom that exists in our life comes from the ability to be known and to know. To enable someone to be close enough to you that they can bring correction to you or bring direction to you. And not that they are doing that just to you, but you're close enough to them that you can do that to them also. Do you have close enough relationships that someone can tell you that's not the will of God for your life and you'll listen? Because it actually needs to be confirmed by more than one. Do you have close enough relationships that can tell you, hey, this job's not working out for you? Do you have close enough relationships that can tell you, you need to be a better spouse? Do you have close enough relationships to tell you when things are going wrong? Because I know in my relationships, I need to have a certainty of how close that relationship is to be willing to say anything to someone. I'm not talking about where we become people who pick out people's flaws or judgment or anything like that. I'm not talking about that. Because what I've found about close friendships, close friends are very careful of what they say. Yet, it's only when there is closeness in a relationship where they feel the freedom enough to say something that hurts because they love them enough to enable the hurt for the other side. What's in a gathering? I hope you've tracked along with me. I know I've seen a few messages there on the the YouTube chat. 
I, I guess I just want to encourage us in, in these final moments is that as we, we come into these environments where we're gathering, whether it's in Revelstoke or Kelowna, online or in Vernon or anywhere, really, that it's not just about a crowd and numbers. It's not just about seats being filled. And in the reality of the gathering, it's not that I, as a pastor, will draw it out of you. It's actually that you will draw it out of others. This first verse we read in Hebrews where it talks about not neglecting the assembling together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's not talking about whether it's in a place or online. It's about, it's about the fact that we continue to be contributors into other people's lives. It says this, these three things. That you stir up love, which means you're not stirring up hate, conflict, envy, dissonance. You're stirring up love in others. You're stirring others to good works, to do good things, and you're exhorting them, encouraging them, providing courage, even if they don't have it. Hey, you're doing such a great job. Hey, you know, keep going. There's, you'll, you'll make it to the other side. I know it's sleepless nights now, but you'll make it to the other side. Encouragement. Now, as we bring that is when we get to the place where we have the gathering, the closeness of relationship to have iron sharpening iron. Man, let me tell you, every single one of us want to be sharp and not a single one of us want to be sharpened. The stripping away. But let me tell you, it is God's desire for each and every one of you to be sharpened. Not by yourself, because as soon as I believe I'm sharp, I become useless. But as soon as I recognize in a kind and loving way that I'm dull, then I become useful. Now, that's got to be freeing to someone in this room, whatever room you're in. You don't have to be the sharpest tool in the toolbox, the shed. I don't know what the saying is. You just need to be a willing person to know someone and allow them to know you. Isn't it interesting how the same truth can exist in our relationship with Jesus? That we can keep him at a distance, telling him we've got it sorted out, telling him we've already got it worked out, telling him I know what I'm doing in my marriage, I know what I'm doing in my finances, I know what I'm doing in my workplace, I know what I'm doing with my future, I know what I'm doing as a parent, I know what I'm doing in my friendships. When Jesus is actually just saying, once you figure out you don't, man, there's so much space for me to reveal what it could be. I want to speak that over everyone right now. Is there is a future that could be. Positive, exciting, full of life, full of joy if you've lost that, full of hope if you've lost that. There is a future. Jesus, I pray that right now, wherever we are gathered, that we wouldn't just be a crowd, people together, but we would be a gathering where we are known and where we know others. Where we're close enough to create friction 
at times. That we're close enough to stir up love. That we are close enough to encourage good works and to be exhortation to others. Even now, Jesus, I would ask that you would reveal to us, each and every one of us, a moment or a person that we could be that to. We don't wait for others to be that to us, but we become unto others. God, that we'd reveal someone we could encourage this morning. Reveal a good work we can stir up. Reveal love we can demonstrate. In Jesus' name we pray.